And now, a presentation on the Mental Health News Radio Network. The Outer Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show. Ryan, that is a freaking awesome question. You are the power, and you do not need anybody's permission. He's the only guy that ever crawled out of a grave where people didn't go, oh, ah! Don't worry, don't be afraid, ever, because this is just a ride. You're, you're a great interviewer. You're one of the best. If this is the best God can do, I am not impressed. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Out of Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show. Outoflimitsradio.com. I'm your host, Ryan. Tonight, we have an interview with phenomenal investigative journalist, an individual who's influenced millions of lives who is one of the sharpest minds in the world today when it comes to putting the big pieces together. I'm so grateful that we have him on our show because he's an an individual who's had a powerful impact on how I do things. He's had an impact on how I ask questions. Before we begin, I just want to talk about the idea of now being the best time in the world to stop being a spectator and to get into the game. We don't need any more spectators. We need as many people as possible who are pro-liberty, who are pro-peace, who are pro-freedom to get actively involved and tell their friends, tell their neighbors, tell the public that is asleep at the wheel that may not even want to hear the message that peace and freedom need to prevail or humanity is finished. You hear in America that there's this battle. We always hear about it between Republicans or Democrats or these political factions, and I don't see that at all. I think it is a battle between those who believe in freedom, those who wish to do no harm, and those who would seek to harm others, and those who would seek to destroy humanity. A lot of people you know are likely siding with the dark side, because it's cool, because it's convenient. Well, hate to tell you this, but in history, that's what usually happens. People show their true colors, they go with the crowd, and they side with the tyrant. It is a small number of people who stand for the common good, who truly have love in their hearts that tend to be marginalized. Well, that small number of people, we can do a lot of wonderful things and we can be powerful we do need to grow our numbers, and I think we do need to get other people involved. Our featured guest, I believe when we talk, he never realized that he was going to be doing this, becoming an investigative journalist and doing what he was doing. I never thought I'd be doing this either. I thought in my life I was going to be somebody who worked in an office, went to church, lived a normal life, but that didn't happen. I had a major awakening. And I left all forms of organized religion behind it, tore away from that, tore away from all these beliefs that I had. And I utilized that anger and that insatiable curiosity. And I tried to do whatever I can to help other people and to make them awake and to help them to discover their their true talents, whatever they can do. I mean, I just, I love being a part of this. I want to be a part of this. And you can be part of it as well. You don't have to be a podcaster. You don't have to be a broadcaster or a journalist. You can do anything you can to help others who are there. However, at the same time, if you haven't given it a shot yet, if you haven't 
done broadcasting, I implore you to do it. Everyone here in alternative media who started out, our first show probably wasn't an Emmy award-winning program. As a matter of fact, the first shows I did it out of limits. I mean, they could cure my own insomnia. But you get better and you refine your technique and communication is so crucial. It's so crucial right now. So I implore you, please, if you're sitting on the sidelines, get in the game. Get in the game and stand with your brothers and sisters who are pro-peace and pro-freedom because we have the battle of our species right at our front door. If we don't prevail, if we do not step up, if we don't influence enough people to get the message of freedom and peace out, we're done. We are done. And I say to hell with that. Mentioned to our featured guest a quote during the interview, and I'll say it again because I think it's very important. It's by John Whitehead from the Rutherford Institute. You stand for something or you die for nothing. You stand for something or you die for nothing. Well, if you stand for something, now is the time to take the action. Let us begin tonight's program. It is a great honor to welcome to the show today James Corbett. He is an award-winning investigative journalist. He is the founder and publisher of The Corbett Report. And I'll tell you what, he's been doing some amazing videos and perspectives recently, especially on Bill Gates. I mean, there's somebody out there who blows the lid open on so many different stories. You can learn more about James by going to his website at CorbettReport.com, and that is C-O-R-B-E-T-T Report.com. Mr. Corbett, welcome to our show. Well, thank you for having me on. I'm excited to be here. Thank you. I'd say one of the things I'm really amazed about is your recent video series on Bill Gates. You put together so many interesting facts and points. And one of the first things I was thinking about was, okay, if I was going to look for information on Bill Gates, I would go to the alternative media and go to a site like yours. But how do you do it? How did you research all those? And how did you put that video together? Like, How did you get so many great sources for that? Well, to some extent, I have had those kinds of sources kicking around for at least a decade at this point. Um, I've been doing the corporate report for 13 years now. And in that time, of course, you know, when I see interesting stories about people like Bill Gates, I do keep them on file for later reference. So I did have some of that information already in the bag. It's just that obviously in the past few months, it's become so much more relevant to our daily lives that I decided it was time to start connecting some of those dots. But then other than that, it's just old fashioned legwork and picking stuff up and reading, 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 and listening to dozens and dozens and dozens of hours of interviews and lectures and other material on him and reading books uh, about him and all sorts of material like that. So uh, there's no shortcut to hard work on something like this, unfortunately. You put a lot of work into your video. I mean, they're just well done. And again, highly recommend. We'll post links to your, to your work. But, and the video series you did on Bill Gates, what would you say would be two or three of the most disturbing aspects of your research and in the course of the research do you see anything that humanity can do to stop what is seemed to be coming down the pike i think the thing that disturbed or or, or really got to me about this information was not any individual piece of this story i as i say over the last 13 years i've collected a lot of stories on gates and his various activities and what he's funding 
But I never put all of those pieces together. And I think it really hit me in the course of constructing this documentary that these pieces really do fit together in a uh, there's no other way to put it, a disturbing way when you start to see the puzzle pieces starting to fit together. And uh, one example of that, I mean, for example, of course, people might know about his work in the global public health space through the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. And they might know, of course, about his pushing vaccines. I, I, of course, have been keeping track of that over the course of the past decade, which he himself called the decade of vaccines. And we're giving $10 billion to help vaccinate the world and all of this the Gavi Alliance, other things that he's been involved with. Or you might know him more for his Microsoft and technocratic side of things being part of the the fabric of our of our lives at this point with the, the sort of personal computer revolution that he helped uh, bring along at the beginning and obviously steered in certain directions, steered away from open source, which was the ethos of programmers at that time and moved it into a system that he could monopolize. Or you might even know about his work in recent years in places like India, trying to bring in the biometric I- ID grid and the vaccine ID system and things like that. But when you start to see all of these different pieces come together in a moment of crisis like this and oh the the biometric id is related to the technocratic stuff that he's working on is related to the vaccines he's going to put them all together there's going to be a vaccine id grid and it's going to be tied into the cashless payment system that he's also working on in india and just those pieces all lining up together i think was what really struck me in this creation of this documentary as i say i knew all of those pieces but seeing the picture together really is awe-inspiring, but in the wrong way, in a bad way. Um, so it, it really, my task, I think, was to put a handle on that, that people could understand. And I think the, the way to understand that is population control. That is the key word for this entire series, population control. And that doesn't just mean keeping a lid on the world's population count, the number of people being born. It means literally controlling the population from birth to death in every way possible. And uh, that is going to happen, not just in terms of cashless payments and all of that tracking people, but down to the genomic level when we start talking about DNA altering vaccines, which is ultimately the, the space we're moving into right now. So very, very dark and disturbing stuff. So is there a bright side to this? Is there something good that can emerge from this? Well, I certainly don't want to soft soap people on this because this is obviously some very dark times that we are heading into. But having said that, if there is anything that we can take as at least a motivating factor for something that could become something liberating or, or, or uh, good about this, it is the fact that people will be led along by the nose their entire lives and not give two thoughts to any of this, not even begin to question any of it, if it's done in a slow and steady way and just every step along the way, people get convenience. Oh, it's so convenient to go along with the system. And oh, cash is so cumbersome. Why don't you just use these cards? It'll be so much easier. People can be led along that way. But when it is slammed in their face at full force all at once through some crazy scenario like this locking down of the entire planet and all of the other craziness we've seen in the past few months that will wake people up to what is happening at an incredible rate and i can see that personally in the amount of interaction that i'm getting the number of new subscribers people who are new to my report who otherwise would never have seen 
not just this material that I'm putting out right now, but all the other material I've done over the past decade plus, they are starting there, – there are masses of people who are starting to cotton on to what's going on. And I don't know how this plays out, and I don't know that – I can't peer into the crystal ball and see the future, but – I know that if people aren't at least, at the very least, informed about what is happening, know that this is a plan and that there is a bad end goal in mind, they will never hope to start fighting back against it. So this is the one, I think, for me, this is something that I look forward to as the possible good outcome, the good resolution of this. It's going to get dark and much darker than it is now. I don't think there's a way to avoid that. But at least we have the hope that on the other side, there is an informed and aware humanity that realizes that we are heading into a very dark place, that we'll be fighting against this agenda. And that to me is perhaps the good thing that can come out of this crisis. Well, I appreciate you taking that, doing that. And it's an incredible piece of journalism you you pulled off and you, you gave to humanity. So thank you. But Hypothetically speaking, if humanity was fully awake, we had a lot more people that were awake, what actions would uh, an awakened humanity take? Could, could they take, even if we had 10% of the people, let's see, even 5% of the people, if they were aware and they were awake, what could they do to counterbalance this darkness? I mean, especially considering the fact that most of the media or a lot of other places that are out there are owned by corporations. I mean, how do they counterbalance that? Because I'm looking right now, I was shocked at how quickly people just did exactly what their powers that shouldn't be told them to do. Stay in your house, they did it. And they're all freaked out. And people, I feel today, a lot of them, they are so afraid of death, they are so afraid of getting sick, they would rather live like this as opposed to standing up. And I just, it just makes me sick. And I, I can't believe how quickly they fell for it. But getting back to the point, if humanity was awake and yet you did have people that were courageous, and they were informed, what could they do? What actions could they take to counterbalance or counterpunch this dark era that is being thrust upon us? The answer to that question is actually so startlingly simple that most people will probably reject it uh, out of hand because it sounds so ridiculously simple. <laughs> um, but I will uh, direct them to, at the very moment that we are talking, uh, at the front and top page of uh, CorbettReport.com, I have an interview up there. Keith Knight of Don't Tread on Anyone was interviewing me about a book called The Politics of Obedience, The Discourse of Voluntary Servitude, which is a 16th century French philosophical treatise on tyranny and how it functions and why it works. And the the insights in that 500-year-old book are absolutely 100% as relevant today as they were the day that they were penned. And that central insight in that book is that tyrannies function because people comply with, are obedient to the tyrant. And that the only thing the public has to do, the one thing the public has to do in order to defeat the tyrant is to stop obeying him. It sounds, again, it sounds exceptionally stupidly simple to the point where, well, of course, I mean, that, but that, that, that doesn't address how do we go about doing the, what do we, but uh, the, the, the author's point, De La Boite, his, his entire point was, no, just stop complying. That is the one and only thing you have to do in order to defeat the tyrant, because we are only enslaved to a tyrant, not because he's some giant colossus of a superhuman who can defeat all <laughs> oncomers. And no, he's just, a pathetic little man. And the only reason people listen to him is because in their heads, they are enslaved to this idea. Oh, this is a tyrant. We must do what he says. Oh no. Woe is us. If we, if we resist. 
So that is the central insight, and I think it truly is as relevant today. If Imagine if that 5, 10, 20, hey, imagine 50% of the population was awake and aware and informed and knew, for example, of the entire swindle and scandal that's going on around this entire pandemic and the vaccines and all of this. Imagine if people just stopped complying. Oh, it's, it's a law now that we have to walk around w- with our masks on and we have to do this and we, have to, we can't do that. And we, if, if people en masse stopped obeying, stopped going along with these dictates, don't, don't fight it through the court system and file some lawsuit that maybe will get resolved in seven years' time when you're already unemployed and, and the world's gone to hell. No, just stop complying. Stop going along with it. Live your life. And I know that everyone's going to have their excuse for why they can't do that. Well, if I do it and no one else does, I'll just be thrown in jail. But those are all excuses. The only thing that we are responsible for is our own actions. And we can decide what to do or not to do with our lives. And we better decide to stop complying with the system that we know is leading us down into the, the slaughterhouse for humanity. Uh, we know where this is heading. Oh, so it I is see it. insanity. I can't believe how most people along. see it. I don't see. I understand most people. More people don't see it. I mean, they just. They're, they're, I don't know if they're brain. They're brain dead or something, or they're, they're twisted. There's something wrong. I watched your interview with Larkin Rose, and I enjoy listening to him. He's really been talking lately about how this rollout for coronavirus was such a disaster for the ruling class, and he says that people who talk about the elites that they have this master plan give them too much credit. And I was wondering what your perspective is on that. If you share the same perspective or a different perspective that because this is having such a devastating effect on the economy and because it very well, very well may lead to an economic collapse or as Spiro uh, Scores talks about, an economic reset, that that could severely damage the credibility of the uh, governing elites. I was wondering what your perspective is on that. I agree and disagree, if I can do so, um, because I, I am not I don't believe it's a monolithic conspiracy and everything is controlled by one person or one little clique. And, you know, the entire world can be directed that way. Uh, there are fighting factions uh, even at the top of the power pyramid. And it's by no means set in stone where all of this is heading. Um, I think different power, different management arms of the uh, globalist Inc. are competing for who is going to basically manage the system. But I think the end goal is largely similar in the minds of a lot of these people. And they've been working towards it diligently for generations now, not just years, not decades, but generations, if not centuries. And I think it would be naive to say that they haven't, these people are not stupid. These types of cold, calculating, manipulative psychopaths with power, with their hands on the levers of power, like a Gates, but obviously I just use him as an example that the public knows. Everyone knows Bill Gates, but I don't, I don't think he's the leader. But he is a good example of this, the type of cold, calculating, manipulative person who clearly knows how to get what they want and, uh, and to force that through by power of money, if nothing else. Um, those types of people clearly have thought through and war-gamed out many different scenarios, including the collapse of the economy and blah, blah, blah. And I think that's why I think the, the, the decision to pull the, pull the lever on this or that particular stage of the plan, okay, you know, let's, let's do the pandemic thing now, uh, is, is not done unless they have a pretty good grasp on where this is going to head and how they can deal or not deal with the consequences of it. Uh, I'd like to think that this is all rushed and not planned and, oh, they're just kind of winning, winging it as they go along, because that would give, I think, more hope on the 
idea that, well, it's all going to collapse and everyone's going to stop believing them. I'm not I'm not convinced about that. Unfortunately, if anything, the past few months has startled me with how many people have unquestioningly 100 percent hook, line and sinker bought into everything. We're being I told know. Right now. It's just it's just sick. I think it's just sickening. I, I never thought people were this stupid. Not only it was so much about stupid, but it's about uh, cowardly. I really cannot mm-hmm. believe that they would sit there and allow this to happen and just take it. And I am just startled at you. I think like, you know, what happened to the to the, the the heart of humanity? What happened to people standing up and just it's just weird. Chris Dwayne and uh, even around Paul and Peter Schiff are talking about this idea that we're going to have a major dollar crash. That eventually, there'll be a point where all fiat currencies will be destroyed. Now, imagine if all the fiat currencies become completely worthless. I imagine that's going to have some kind of major, major devastating impact. It could be the largest event in human history. That being said, if that thing happens, do the elites have the resources necessary to control a problem like that? I mean, are they going to be basically the only people? They, out there? It, it, yeah, it goes beyond that. It's not just that they have the resources for it. It's that they have been strategizing and planning this out for, I mean, at the very least since the 2008 crisis, we've seen the entire infrastructure for a global banking system and what a global monetary order would look like being slotted into place piece by piece through organizations like the IMF and the BIS and these other large scale international organizations that people know exist. But they have very vague idea of what they even are, what they do. It doesn't matter. It doesn't affect me in my daily life. Well, it doesn't yet. But in the event of a global monetary collapse, you better believe these organizations will be uh, one way or another ruling over your life, whether they're in your face doing so or not. And uh, an example I keep going back to is in the the wake of the 2008 crisis. In 2009, you had the Chinese central bank governor. Uh, arguing uh, that we need uh, some something to replace the dollar. Clearly, the dollar rests on this U.S. banking system, which is crazy and is threatening to melt down the entire world. We need something to replace the dollar as the world reserve currency. How about the IMF special drawing rights? It already exists. It's already something that central banks use as as reserve amongst themselves, and we could we can make some sort of monetary order based on that. And then, of course, China, over the course of the next several years, was angling to get itself included in the SDR basket, the basket of currencies that getting included to weight the SDR and what is and make its comparative value and all of that. And they eventually did so, I think, in 2016 or 17. And uh, and we've seen, as I say, all of these players at the table who you think are completely opposite. Well, you know, China is the enemy and and they're completely on the other side of the U.S. and all of this stuff that we're fed, which, of course, is not true because behind the scenes, yes, it is an international monetary order that's being constructed. And when I mean, the, and that global monetary order cannot come into existence until the existing national sovereignty, quote unquote, of the, the monetary systems that exist in each country until that collapses. There will be no global monetary order until the current system melts down. And I think, again, these people, these planners are not stupid. They know this. And that's why they have carefully laid the groundwork for exactly that type of scenario. And I think people will – some people will be surprised. Even people who think of themselves as informed will be surprised when they unveil the curtain after some sort of spectacular monetary meltdown and, oh, hey, this system's already ready to go and completely in place. And, oh, now we're in a global system. I think some people might be surprised at it, but I, I won't be. We see we have all these global planners, these people out there that are very evil. Do you ever ask yourself this? Do you ever ask yourself why you exist and why a handful of other people exist and they believe in freedom? Like, what's the purpose of being alive and being aware 
that that is happening? I mean, are we do you think we're, we're here as a punishment to bear witness to this, or that we are on Earth for some you know other mystical reason that maybe we are here at this point because we're we're the strongest that we can stop it, or we, you know we can be a part of it and we'll wake people up? I'm just wondering if if you ever think and ponder on it as a greater metaphysical uh, reason for the reason why this is. I uh, yeah, I of course it is an intriguing question, but I don't think it's one that's going to be resolved until at the very least until the end of our lives, and okay. maybe not even then. And if not, <laughs> well, then not. Um, but I do try to dwell on what what it is that we what is our obligation as people who are informed about these issues and can see what is coming and what's happening. Uh, I guess I could just curl up in a ball in the corner and try to enjoy what little, <laughs> you know, life is allowed to me uh, until I die. But that doesn't seem like the right thing to do. All I know is that it is incumbent on me to spread this information and to get other people aware, because I think you hit the nail on the head earlier when you said um, when you were talking about, well, what if we had five or 10 percent of the population that were awake? But obviously the media and the, is on the corporation side. It's all establishment. They're all on the same side. And you're right. I think it's the media that controls so much of the public discourse, even the people who think they are against the establishment, are still only arguing against what the establishment is saying. They still get to direct the conversation. We're talking about this now, and this is what everyone will talk about. Um, and that is an incredible power. So it is incumbent on people like us who do understand something about what's happening to redirect that conversation in the way that we want towards the ends that we want. And that's that's my role. That's what I see my role is doing, trying to, to put this information out there and let the chips fall where they may. I, I don't know what the outcome of this will be. I don't know if this is some sort of cosmic thing or some sort of <laughs> divine plan. I don't know. I can't. That's beyond my pay grade. I'll just do what I can. And what I know is my obligation having this information to put it out to others. So I love John Whitehead's quote. He says, you either stand for something or you die for nothing. And I think yeah. about that. And that's one of the reasons why I want to continue to help or do anything I can to put something out there because you know, I don't want to go out like this. I think a lot of people are going to go on their knees and just going to completely go out. And I want that to happen. I'm curious about where you got so passionate. Like when, how did you become a journalist? And what are some of the uh, your core moral values? You know, it's funny because uh, I did study English literature at the university level. And uh, at the time, everyone would always ask me, well, what are you going to do with that degree, James? And I would always <laughs> say, I don't know, uh, but I'm not going to become a journalist. <laughs> ha, ha, ha. Well, joke's on me, I guess. Um, yeah, no, I think the real the impetus for me to get involved in this in the first place was really that moment where. I'm sure yourself and many others have had the experience of going down the rabbit hole, learning things about the world that they had no idea about, despite I thinking of myself as a reasonably well-informed person who knew a little bit about a little bit and suddenly finding all this information about 9-11 and the banking system and all these things that completely, of course, never crossed my radar before and seeing because of the internet, really, seeing that, oh, I can look at actual source documents. I can see the opera. I can read Operation Northwood's documents for myself online in this amazing age we listen, we're in, where we could have all of this information at our fingertips. I can see it for myself. I don't have to read some dismissal of it as conspiracy theory nonsense in the Washington Post or whatever. I can read it for myself. And yeah, there it is. And that disconnect between what I had been taught my whole life and the things that were verifiable to me about the way the world really operated, that really bothered me. And it's interesting. I remember in the 
depths of the, the 2008 crisis, the financial meltdown and all of this, I remember John Stewart had on Jim Cramer, uh, and they were having a discussion about the, the financial meltdown and what have you. And for one moment there, there was some there was a back and forth that seemed actually seemed genuine, that there were some actually good questions posed and there weren't any pat answers and there was a genuine argument and debate going on. And of course, it was within the controlled paradigm of, you know, you're supposed to believe this and this and this about the economy. But even within that controlled paradigm, there was at least some interesting questions being asked. And I remember thinking at the time, you know, even if this, just this was the standard level of discourse that I saw in the media, I would probably have never gotten involved in this. I wouldn't have seen my place in all of this. But because the media has gotten so dumbed down, so stupid, so obviously propagandistic, I know even even myself back in 2007 when I when I started the record report, zero experience in doing any sort of media of any kind, never thought I'd start a website. I knew even at that time I could do a better job than this garbage that they're pumping out <laughs> on the mainstream. And so that's what I did. And I, you know what? I was right. <laughs> I think 13 years later, I think I've been proven proven right about that, as uh, a lot of journalists are now get, losing their jobs because the, the media landscape is changing so completely. Well, uh, here I am still gainfully employed by myself doing whatever I wanted, whatever time I want. And I have that because this is, this is real and people, people resound and they, they understand when something is real. And of course I'm not, I'm not 100% accurate all the time. I make mistakes. I'm a human. I don't know everything, but I I'm real and I present my information in the best way I can. And people respond to that. And that is ultimately, that's why, I have been able to do this, and that's why I do it, is because, again, this is something that just resounded with me, within me. I, I knew the lies, the garbage, the nonsense, the propaganda. I could smell it when it was coming out at me, and I knew, well, somebody's got to do something different. And so I, I stepped in to do what I could. Thank you for doing what you're doing. And the first video I ever saw of yours was 9-11, a conspiracy, a four-minute video, incredible. I sent that to so many people, and my goodness, what a reaction. But it was so, it was so researched, and you, you put a ton of information. And I'm really thankful that you're you're doing what you're doing. You've put a lot of uh, facts out there. From your perspective, actually, just let me say for sure. for a moment that that was uh, obviously one of, or I I don't know, probably still to this day, probably my most well known work, and got seen millions and millions and millions of times. And the funny thing about that is that was 100% intended as an inside joke for the 9-11 truth community because I didn't expect <laughs> I mean, there were so many references in there that of course no one in the mainstream land would even understand half of the things that I said in there but for whatever reason because of the satire because it was you know put it presented in a funny way it really caught on and I think that's there's a number of lessons in there one of which is don't talk down to your audience I mean, just because your audience might not understand every reference you're making, don't don't back away from it. No, if if it is interesting and compelling, people will look into it. And I I've received lots of emails over the years. What do you mean when you said that in the in the conspiracy theory video? Well, uh, let me tell you. Here's the hyperlink transcript, and you can go and read about it, and you can find out who these people I'm talking about are. And so I think it's a good way of actually motivating people to 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 look into this information by not not talking down and not trying to dumb it down, but presenting it in its in, in its most compelling form. It's a machine gun. It's it's like a machine gun. Boom, 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 because you, you keep on putting bits and bits and bits, and every little thing you say, I mean, you have to pause, watch it, and you're like, oh my god, because then you realize that it's not. If you look at the nine eleven, I think official report, and you see one or two lies, and you're like, okay, well maybe, but because you have so many pulled apart, and you're like, wow, it really doesn't make any sense. It was great. 
I really love it. You know, when we look at people that get galvanized into fear or they, they just decide they do, they do whatever the controllers tell them to do, it seems like they're in fear or they're, they're uninformed. Well, let's look at the opposite. When you see people that decide to awake, that have an awakening moment, what state of consciousness are they in? Is there anything that members of alternative media or truth-based media can do to put their listeners and audience into a different state that will make them most susceptible to an awakening? No, no. Ultimately, I don't think so. And I say that having been involved in this for uh, over a decade now and seeing many examples of that. Uh, it is the old adage, you can lead the horse to water, you can't make them drink. And I think probably one of the most common questions I have ever received in the entire time I've been doing this is, but James, how do I wake up my brother, my sister, my father, my sibling, my, my cousin, my, my uncle, my family, friend, whatever it is. And there is no answer to that, um, precisely because everyone is everyone is different. Everyone responds to different things in different ways. Everyone has their own in on this. And there's no way you can wake someone up for them. They can only do it themselves. All you can do is put the information out there and tell them, here it is, and here's the documents, and hey, maybe I'm wrong. Why don't you look into it for yourself? That's, that's I think, the role that we can play. Uh, how do you waken people up? You can't really do it. Um, and I, I'm going to actually make a video about this because I just read a quote the other day that was just so perfect. Uh, the quote was, you can't wake someone up who's pretending to be asleep. And I think that's probably more more to the point than uh, we often give credit for, because it's we often think, oh, if this person just knew this fact about this thing, then they'd understand. No, I think a lot of people know that there are some deeply, deeply wrong things in this world, and they might not know every example of everything that's going on. But more or less, people who are asleep at this point have chosen to be asleep because they're, they're personally not affected or because they're comfortable enough or because they're afraid or whatever it is. They've chosen to be asleep. And it's not until they choose to wake up that they will wake up. So I don't ever put it on myself or I don't ask other people to put it on them to, oh, if you, if you say this right thing in the right way, if you had these magical words, if you had this piece of information, you can wake anyone up. It's not true. And stop, people should stop thinking of that and trying to look for that. Here's a final question I have for you is what would you visualize as a victory for humanity against the darkness that is coming upon us between you know having our dna only be able to you know for us that they want to use this coronavirus test and we have to have this in order to access you know stores and all these other things like this transhumanist dark period that we're being thrust into what do you, would you consider to be a victory for humanity can you see humanity actually you know winning and overthrowing this and if so what would you say a visualization of the victory here for humanity uh winning against the forces of darkness how would you see that play out if it if it could play out well actually i think you frame that question in the right way because uh you bring in the the, the transhumanist element to this agenda and the ultimate genetic manipulation of humanity and i really do think um again i don't know how things are going to play out and i can't say in every way but i know that as long as there is that the human element, as long as humanity still exists, then in some way we win. Because humanity will, there will always be in the seed of humanity. I, I really do believe that there is just a natural, you could eliminate every book uh, and every YouTube video and everything in existence that details the reality of the world that we live in and, uh, you know, whatever, completely memory hole 
all of this information we've been trying to put out and all of this. But still, I think still it would naturally arise. People would understand that they're being lied to. People would rise against it eventually in some way. That's always happened throughout human history. I think it always will throughout human history. But that's the key throughout human history. And I think that's exactly why the real end goal here is transhuman and genetic modification and changing uh, what humanity is in so that we can be at a genomic level, just the real tax cattle that they want us to be. So that's the um, way out of here, huh? That they're, they're just going to try to, what, I remember watching one of your videos earlier about the, they're trying to get consciousness uploaded to ones and zeros. And then you mentioned the fact that, well, if they can do that, then maybe somebody could just hack your consciousness. Like they can hack a computer. So yeah, or exactly right. Or the the ways the DNA is some of the DNA technology, so the DNA vaccine technology that's coming online that they are now starting to talk about the idea that we could actually have vaccines that are just a general vaccine. They they implant something that will have the ability to change your your DNA, and they will be able to remotely update that information so that the next time there's a new pandemic of whatever they can update your vaccine that's already in your body and send it electronically or remotely into your body that will change your dna in order to produce the right protein in order to combat the uh, the, the disease or whatever they're telling you it's for well that right there is essentially the end of humanity because of course then you have the power to genetically change people at a, at a distance at a moment's notice i mean that that that's it that's game over so until that point, I think there is always hope. And I, I don't care how dark it gets, as long as humanity survives, there will be, there will be a, a, that glimmer of something in the future. It will be overthrown at some point. But that's why, again, that's why they're moving so hard on this agenda. And ultimately, I think a lot of these people actually believe their own propaganda that we will upload our consciousness to machines and we'll, we'll explore the universe through our robot bodies and all this nonsense that sounds like science fiction, but they're really working on it. And in fact, uh, Elon Musk has just announced, oh, next month they're going to have a big update oh, the, about the, uh, the brain chip or whatever he's working on. So uh, I'm not looking forward to that, but that's, that's where it's going. Award-winning investigative journalist, Mr. James Corbett, I want to thank you for being with us today. Learn more about James by going to his website at corbettreport.com, C-O-R-B-E-T-T report.com. Again, I want to let everyone know that I've been following James' work for years. He's fantastic. And you can actually sign up for his Corbett Report for as little as a dollar a month. And it's fantastic. You can get a lot of great insights, great interviews. Mr. Corbett, thank you for being with us today, sir. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Okay, everyone, that concludes today's edition of the Outer Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show. Special thanks to our terrific guest, James Corbett. And special thanks, as always, to our virtues, Ms. Carrie O'Connor, Ms. Constance Dallas, and Ms. Lisa McGarrity. Also, special thanks to our associate producer, Ms. Jenny Lamisa. To learn more about the Outer Limits of Inner Truth, please go to our website at outerlimitsradio.com. Until the next time we meet, my friends, I wish upon you an abundance of peace love and beers take good care thank you so much for listening